Hello everyone, and welcome back to Retrieving Sanity with your host, Keegan, and our first interviewee, Nico. Yes. And, well, do you want to introduce yourself, or? Alright, so, um, <laughs> my name's uh, Nicholas Marno, everybody calls me Nico, of course that's my name. Um, why do I go with, like, sobriety date and stuff? Uh, yeah. That'll work. Um, my sobriety date is uh September ninth, uh twenty twenty, and um taking it one day at a time. Uh, are you from the Dallas area? Born and raised in Oak City. Oh, kind of rough, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what was your DOC? My DOC. At the end, it was uh, heroin and meth I used to use intravenously. But to be honest with you, uh, I've always had some kind of DOC. Like, I used to be an alcoholic as a teenager, alcoholic alcoholic and marijuana, Xanax, and then it just slowly escalated to, to, you know, cheese, meth, and um, ultimately heroin and meth intravenously. So it just kind of evolved as you were going uh, do you think that the gateway drug, uh, like, phenomenon is actually a real one? Like, you keep chasing the high again that you first got, or is it a little different? Not necessarily. I've always noticed that, uh, over time, everything's kind of evolved. Like, not ne- like, you could say, uh, it could be, um, I don't know, uh, not necessarily peer pressure, but, you know, just around the people that I was with and everything, and uh, slowly evolved over that, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. like obviously, you hang around enough people playing basketball, you're going to start trying to play basketball, <laughs> you know what I mean? Very true. Yeah. See, I hadn't thought about that too much, because up in Amarillo, it's small, and, I mean, there's really not a whole lot to do besides sex, drugs, and alcohol, yeah. but... Um, how long would you say you were actively addicted? Actively? I'd say at least between, since I was like 12 or 13. Like, um, alcohol was very frequent, but I started off with, uh, alright, so growing up, I was introduced to everything the wrong way, like just the stupid wrong way. Like uh, I was smoking weed or whatever in mm-hmm. uh, elementary school. Um, one of my older homeboys was just like, you know, I'm high off weed one day, and then he's just like, I'm bugging him to make something to eat, and he's like, well, here, this is gonna take away your hunger. And it was just meth, you know. It wasn't like this is a drug or nothing. It was like, well, here, you know, you oh, won't shit. be hungry no more, you know. And I was like at 13, you know. Damn. And um. I wasn't, like, a constant meth user then. Mm-hmm. It was more like, you know, experimenting, but also drinking all the time. Oh, okay. It was a lot of drinking. Uh, so it was, would you say it seems that a lot of, uh, I know myself, my addiction, it started off, like, real gradual, like, maybe on the weekend, and then it was, like, maybe twice a month. And then so on and so forth until it just became an all-day, everyday thing. Uh, yeah. Would you say that was kind of how yours went? 
or was it like just right off the deep end? All right, so it was um, you can say it was right off the deep end, but it was like more like socially, even though um, the people I grew up with were all stuck in a gang life and the criminal lifestyle, so there was no oh we're gonna wait till the weekend we'll get a paycheck. Now nah, this was just you know hitting licks and getting high and just, you know, this is what we did on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You know what I'm saying? Mm. You know, just extra more on Saturday just because it was a Saturday, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Got to enjoy the weekends, right? Yeah. Um, is there a certain factor that made you decide to get clean or was it just tired and wanted something new? I wanted something new. At the same time, like, uh, all right, so growing up in the lifestyle I was growing up, it was always balls to the wall, danger, uh, active gang member, whatever. But uh, at the end, it was, um, I'm not going to put it all on my daughters, but it was my daughters. They they actually, my first daughter, when she was, uh, when my baby mama told me she was pregnant, um, it was the first time I actually looked at something longer than a fucking week, because uh, the lifestyle I was into, it was just like, you know, I never uh, I never had the privilege of saying, okay, at the end of this year, I'm going to do this. At the end of that year, I'm going to do that, or this and that, or whatever. You know, when she told me she was pregnant, I was like, oh, shit, you know? You know, by then, she was like two, two three months. I was like, man, uh, in six months, there's going to be a baby here, you know? And then uh, I remember my thoughts were like, um, I hope, uh, hope I'm alive to see it. Or, like, you know, I uh, hope I'm not incarcerated or something, you know? Because the lifestyle was, you know, it wasn't like, you know, it's just like every day it was some type of crime. Every day it was something. Even if I was a committed crime, I'm still going to the store with a gun on me, which mm-hmm. is a crime in itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, it was just like, and not, and like, you know, I hope I make it to the end of this year free or alive. Gotcha. And I never thought, thought like that before. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's good, man. I mean... Not that you hadn't done, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've heard some guys, uh, Nehemiah, they said they wish their kids were enough to make them get clean, but other people said that they couldn't care one way or another. Uh, do you think that's, uh, I don't know, I think it's kind of weird that you can have one or the other, but I know for me, if I were to have a kid, I would probably have the same thought process that you did. Uh, I hope I'm around for it. And some guys, I don't know if it's just the way they were raised, but they say it didn't do anything for them. All right, so it's like this. Um, All right, so uh, I grew up in a broken home. My dad was an abusive alcoholic. Uh, my mom was always working, trying to make ends meet, and, um, you know, low-key always felt alone my entire life, and uh, nobody was ever around or whatever, and uh, didn't have no cousins or none, that's why I grad- uh, ended up uh, in the streets running around, you know, but then uh, a lot of people could say, like, all types of stuff, like, um, you know, oh, well, my parents weren't there for me, so, you know, blah, 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 blah. My, my main click in my mind was... um. I'm gonna be what my parents weren't, you know. My mom, she wasn't a, she wasn't an addict or nothing, but she was always working to support us, and she did her best, you know. And uh, she, she did very, very, you know, her damn hardest, you know. 
But like my dad wasn't around, you know, we grew up like totally different, you know, Jehovah Witness, no Christmas, no nothing like that. And then uh, my mindset was, uh, I'm going to give my kids everything that, that uh, I felt like I didn't have. And I wanted to be present. I wanted to be there. And I'm not going to say like, you know, it automatically clicked. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. like you can't just all of a sudden say, you know, I'm going to step out this lifestyle and go to another one. Nah, man, it didn't, it didn't happen nothing like that. That, that, that. that gave me a spark to actually try to reach out for something. But to be honest, I was still, I couldn't get out that path. You know, I tried rehab. You know, I tried a, a open a outpatient. Even ultimately, man, uh, my daughter was uh, not even two or three months old. You know, I ended up incarcerated for my third gun charge. And uh, my third gun charge was like the... First, they said 10 years, and then they said, uh, you know, they kept on scaring me with the feds, and I was just fighting for it, you know, and uh, I ended up getting rehab, but, you know, uh, court mandated rehab, but I'm not going to say I did it perfect, you know, I, I got out, fucked up, you know, by the time I was actually free, free, not necessarily free, I was still, stipulations, all that shit, I was, uh, my daughter was already two years old, she was already walking and talking, uh-huh. but then when I was released, my daughter had no idea who I was, because I only seen her in visitation rooms. Oh, and uh, that hurt me a lot because uh, she would cry. I would try to be there for her, but she had no idea who I was, you know? Yeah. And uh, that told me that uh, I didn't want to be away from her no more. I'm not going to say it was perfect after that. I was still stuck in my shit, but you know what I'm saying? You just, you can't just all of a sudden, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, I want to do something different. I want to live life different. That shit's a whole entire process. It's an entire process. But she, she was the slight spark. That's real good to hear, man. And yeah. uh, like that's uh, actually kind of eye-opening, because yeah. for you it sounds like you kind of gave yourself the room to grow, uh, to be that father that you didn't have. Um, would you say you beat yourself up in your addiction, or uh, did that kind of if you did beat yourself up, did it kind of hinder progress of getting better or uh, anything like that? All right, so, um, yeah, fucking, uh, I was on this self-pity party like a motherfucker, man. All right, so uh, when my baby mama was still pregnant, uh, I had this stupid-ass selfish idea, and it was just so rude in me, but it was dumb, you know? Um, I was suicidal. You see, I was suicidal as in, like, you know, putting myself further and further in the streets. The house was getting shot up. I was getting into altercations in the streets. You know, a lot of violence. Uh, heavy, 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 heavy drug use. Heavy, heavy, heavy drug use. And uh, I would sit there and I'd write letters to my daughter. I still got the tablet, actually. Where uh, I'm telling her how important she is to me and this and that or whatever. Because, you know, I still had that mind frame that I might not be alive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially when dodging bullets. You know what I'm saying? And then, uh, next you know it, um, I had, I had this retarded-ass, jackass mindset where, like, you know, well, I'm going to write these letters because if I die, at least you know that I tried. Even though I wasn't trying at that time. Even though I was not, you know, I even if I, I even when I attended a... Uh, Fucking um, outpatient rehab, bro. I'm still getting high, you know, faking the drug test, mm-hmm. you know, telling myself that I'm trying, but I wasn't trying, you know, you know, I was not at all making a decision every day. 
Matter of fact, uh, when I caught my third gun charge, I had left outpatient treatment. I went to go pick up my Suboxone script, and that's when I caught my charge. Oh, damn. Yeah. Um, so, whenever uh, you say you're on a self-pity party, um, did you ever kind of think in that whenever you started to get uh, better or for your daughter, do you think you were faking it till you made it? Uh, do you think that kind of like tricked you into like planting that little seed to get better? Because it's not a night and day you wake up and it's just all good. <laughs> but yeah. would you say that just doing that little mind trick of like, I'm at least trying, do you think that gave you uh, like a little bit of a push in the right direction? It fucking really did. All right, so the way I was, uh, the way my mindset was, it was like little shit pushing me every day. All right, so I was working during the day. I was work, I worked through temp agencies, warehouses, or whatever. And um, you know, uh, bro, nobody ever talks about this, but the biggest fucking part is identity. The biggest fucking part is identity. Bro. Yes. And uh, check this out. This is the way I can describe it, bro. It was like I was being a fucking. Uh, a school teacher and a stripper at the same time. Mm. During the day, I'm fucking working, and I had this fucking, I had this thing in my mind where it's like, okay, uh, diapers, diapers. My daughter needs diapers. You can't sit there and say, okay, I'm going to buy this many diapers, and then she's going to be good, because that's fucking impossible to come up with. You know what I mean? And you can't buy a shitload of diapers off one paycheck. So I was like, well, as long as I maintain my job, keep going to work, keep going to work, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I, I could be there for her. But at night, I'm still running the streets, trying to flip drugs, trying to act retarded, still hanging around with the same dumbass people. You know, it was, it was really an identity battle. It was really because I knew I wanted to work, I knew I wanted to be consistent, I knew I wanted to be there for my daughter. But I just did not know how to let go of, you know, who I thought I was. Yeah, I understand. And that was actually something me and uh, Lieutenant Kelly had talked about. Uh, was the whole identity problem because I heard a lot of guys say that they found themselves again and I was one of those guys but at the same time while I was going through the program at Nehemiah I had uh, heard that we were addicts quote-unquote whatever and at first I don't know if it was like the mindset that addict is bad or whatever but I was like I don't want to be labeled that but whenever I got to thinking about it, it gave some guys a foundation of which to build their identity back on. And it didn't have to be something that was glorious and all that. It was just something to say, I'm human. This is me. And maybe being an addict is just a character trait, but it's not who they are. It's just something to build an identity off of because I know for me, I lost myself in my addiction because I was trying to make a new me and that shit don't work. <laughs> Not for me. I'm fucking still figuring out my identity, but all right. So for me, when I actually admitted it and ran with it, that shit actually helped me a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like, all right. So I was clean for like two and a half years while I was in the program, the drug program outpatient, I mean, uh, uh, strict, whatever, but I remember having a conversation, though, when I was uh, in Safe T, 
which is the last time I was at was the last uh, six month rehab mm-hmm. and uh, court mandated. And uh, I remember I was talking to my homeboy, and my homeboy was saying this and that. And uh, I told him I was like, man, I shoot up. And then my homeboy was like, well, damn, you a fucking junkie, this and that. And I was like, look, bro, I'm gonna tell you straight up, I'm a junkie, bro. I, I shoot up, but once I start shooting up, I can't. You know what I'm saying? I can't stop. Mm-hmm. I said like, you know, I'm an addict. You know, and the more I owned it, the more it kind of helped me lose from not say lose permission to do that but help me recognize that that is a fucking big ass downfall that i can't control or nothing you know what i'm saying it kind of mm-hmm. gave weight to the situation that you know the totally difference it was bro it's like uh i don't know if i'm making sense but like you know it it it, it didn't steal that fucking one is too many thousand not enough because i know mm-hmm. once i fucking hit that bro i ain't no weak damn warrior i don't fucking know how to hide it you know what i'm saying it's, yep you know what I'm saying? It's like a fight, bro. I'm all in. Fuck it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'll never win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know that whole not a weekend warrior thing because for me, as soon as I had just even a drop of alcohol, I had to go until I passed out. And then sometimes I'd wake up, go take some more shots just to go back to sleep and then start all over. But uh, yeah, uh, in the way, yeah. in the way, it's a good foundation, bro, to identify like that. Mm-hmm. In the way, it's to help me realize, you know what I'm saying? You know, this is what I'm, this is what I am, and this is what I can be. Yeah, you know I'm saying it's, it's, don't get me wrong, there's people out there, some functioning addicts. I'm not saying it's a good thing, that's a bad thing, but I know I'm a fucking extremist. Yeah, I know that much. Yeah, and so with that, uh, being able to say that you're an addict like you said own it uh do you think that really uh kind of goes in with the you can't help someone until they want the help and so that kind of opened up the door for you to work on it because if you don't know the problem you can't fix it right that's the whole fucking first step bro we are (laughs) you know we admitted we're powerless bro because like all right so i know i know certain people that are like struggling you know one chick reached out to me saying that she thinks she has a problem with this and that, but then she would sit there and justify, you know, like, well, I don't do it every day or this and that or mm-hmm. whatever, you know what I mean? Which is all cool and gravy, bro, but unless you're ready to admit that, you know, as soon as I put this into my body, you know, I fucking lose control, you know what I'm saying? Yep. You know, it guarantees the rest of the day I'm not what the fuck because I'm going to keep drinking, I'm going to fuck up or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can't do shit until you actually admit you have a problem. You can't do nothing until you stop giving excuses that you have a problem because that's an that's a decision you have to make every single day even without knowing it bro you know what i'm saying and as soon as you justify it you're fucking giving in you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying and shit ain't no telling when that's gonna end because you know that goes down the whole denial you yep. know what i'm saying you know i'm gonna try this method i'm gonna try that method maybe it'll work out better and <laughs> never all, does all the same results mm-hmm. and sometimes it's just how much worse it can or didn't get there's always a new bottom <laughs> there's yeah always a new bottom yeah i remember hearing the term rock bottom and i was like oh yeah i don't think i've been there and then i hit there and then i found out i can dig more and <laughs> <laughs> it hey, not a fucking limit to it no there's not and uh at nehemiah i saw guys like compare rock bottoms or uh compared their drug of choice so like uh, the say like me, an alcoholic goes up to someone that used an IV, and they go, "Well, I'm better because I didn't do that." 
But then you could sit there and say, well, at least whenever I was high, I didn't go beat up people just for being drunk or something. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah, it's a losing battle either way. Uh, and people are just trying to justify, like, doing stupid shit. Yeah, yeah. So, I, that's, that, that's that old complex, I'm the good guy because you're the bad guy. Yeah. That's that complex. And I see that a lot, bro. I see that a lot. Uh, do you think you had to become your own best friend or best uh, cheerleader to really get your ass into recovery? Like, not beat yourself up as much, but show yourself, like, compassion. Like, it's okay, bro. Like, you didn't get it perfect, but just get up and try again. It was a lot of fucking, it was, uh, uh, okay, so check this out. I remember, uh, I was explaining this shit to this, to somebody uh, not too long ago, but I was like, man, uh, I remember fucking looking in the mirror and saying, man, this is not what the fuck it's supposed to be. This is, this is, you know, this ain't player. This isn't, this isn't what I really am, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then you're just fucking stuck in that, you know? And then you, when you get desperate enough, you say, you know what, uh, I'm, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try that. As crazy as it sounds, you know what I'm saying? Most of the fucking, most most of my my uh motivation to get into the 12 steps was just like, man, this shit probably not going to work, but I'm going to give this shit a <laughs> shot. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, because I remember the first time I went to an A meeting, I said, man, I ain't, ain't nobody fucking... Nobody's sober. Like, that's impossible. You don't just stop doing drugs. Oh. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, like, you know, you get desperate enough, you know, it's not no fucking guarantee, but you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to try this shit out. Mm-hmm. You know? I, even, I remember telling a gentleman once, I said, man, you tell me to do something, I'm going to do it. Just because I can prove to you if it doesn't work. You know what I mean? You, you, you don't know what you're talking about. Low key, some of the shit works. <laughs> Low key, bro. Yeah, he was uh, one of the guys that at first I was like, man, you're a pompous ass. <laughs> and then the more I got to know him, I was like, okay, he actually knows some of this shit. Like, he has his PhD, right? Uh, or master's, I think. One of the two. I remember we used to bump heads, and I used to hate that shit when you say, have you prayed on it first? I'm like, what, what's that going to do? <laughs> I'm starting to do that shit, bro. I'm fucking, I'm praying over shit that I I don't know what, bro. I, but that's me more leaning towards uh, the faith of my higher power. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's not fucking guaranteed. It's not going to happen overnight, bro. But, like, you know. Giving me something to lean on. But mm-hmm. I remember saying that uh, faith is a big part of my shit, bro, because, you know, I don't know what it's like to be 10 years clean. I don't know what it's like to fucking live a perfect life or have everything under my name. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, you know what I'm saying? I, I ain't never seen it, but my faith is maybe it could happen. So I'm going to keep pushing forward every day. There you go. I like that mindset, man. Um, So I know we had talked about this literally right before this, but would you go back to the Meninium Maya if you needed to? Or was one time enough to make you go, fuck no? <laughs> if I fucked up, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, I would go back. Hell yeah. Because uh, there's not too many people that actually really care. Mm-hmm. There's not too many people that actually have like, they're low-key a support system, bro. And I remember being in rehab where it's just like, all right, your six months is up. Get the fuck out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But they actually have their doors open. And that's why sometimes I do attend by the hope, you know? And before we started having our house meetings on Tuesday, I used to attend, you know what I'm saying, all city. Mm-hmm. And uh, shit, if it came down to it, hell yeah, because I feel like that is actually an open gate to people are actually really reaching out and helping. Yeah. Uh, there's some heart in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh- that place is 
the one exception that I've had with the whole, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And that place was like a free rehab for <laughs> nine months. Yeah. And the last three, you get to work, save up money, and then just like you always have somewhere to go back to. I was like, there's no way this is free. How the fuck does that happen? Yeah. You know I mean? yeah. yeah. And I think the way that we really pay for it is in time because it's nine months and really giving up like that part of our identity that we want to change, learning how to surrender, give it over, and just say, you know what, fuck it, like, I need help. <laughs> it's like the most, like, all right, so that was one of my big steps in surrender part, bro, because I remember when I was out there running the streets or whatever, and, you know, and I, I knew I needed rehab. I knew I mm-hmm. needed to get somewhere to do something, and I remember people used to, like, you know, I always had an excuse, uh, let's go to rehab. Man, I ain't get caught yet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm still free, bro. They ain't, they ain't found nothing on me. I'm, I'm going to keep going, you know? And uh, fucking... I actually had to sit there and be like, man, I gave so much time away for all the crime and dumps that I did being incarcerated. I was like, man, you know, I have it, I'm going to give these fucking nine months and see what happens. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Low-key, this for myself, you know? And uh, I knew I needed to get away. I knew I needed to fucking reprogram my mind, get out that, you know, survival mentality. And uh, fucking number one of my biggest surrender steps, you know, I, I write that down. I was still doing step work earlier with my sponsor. And I was like, you mm-hmm. know. You know, what make, what makes you think that you're willing? I said, shit, I gave up nine months. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't get caught. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, whenever my parents were bringing me down from Amarillo, my mom had actually said, uh, rem- think of it this way. It's just you being, like, reborn because it takes nine months for a baby. So imagine you're just becoming a new person, essentially. And... At first, I was like, man, that sounds so fucking stupid. But I was like, I don't know, maybe, because I was tired. I was beyond exhausted of all the shit I was doing. But I was like, you know what? Like, if it helps some people, maybe it'll help me too. But I still remember (laughs) talking to Dar, uh, my cousin. He was sitting there telling me about it. And I was like, ah. Dar's your cousin? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that because of him, I went down to Nehemiah because a uh, week and a half before I got to Nehemiah, I had tried uh, to get a medical detox on alcohol, and well, I still ended up having DTs, and I woke up in the hospital, like the ICU, ICU, uh, like what was it, four or five days after the fact. Uh, and I mean, I woke up, I was tied to the bed because I was fighting people, pulling needles out of my arm and everything. And I woke up and I was like, I need the fuck out of here. I actually signed a against medical advice discharge and then went back to my cousins and I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do, but uh, I need help. And then Dar heard about it. And he reached out, his mom uh, reached out to my mom, and at first I was like, eh, yeah, I know I need rehab, but I was like, eh, Dallas? I was like, I don't know. And then he was like, but it's free. And I was like, okay, if it's working for him, and I know him, 
maybe it'll work for me too. And then he hit me with the, oh yeah, it's nine months. <laughs> and I was like, fuck. And he said uh, one day, uh, he was like, they can get you in tomorrow if you can make it. So that morning I was like, fuck it, I guess I'm going. And got all my shit put up and then headed down to me and Maya the next day, uh, thanks to my parents. And so, like, that's how I ended up down in Dallas. But yeah, Dora's my cousin. Yeah. Uh, did you ever see his uh, little brother that's actually much taller than him? No. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a weird family dynamic. But yeah, I miss Dora. And uh, he's actually up in Oklahoma with his little brother and his mom now. Yeah, I got him on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For the me and Dari's stuff. Yeah, he was tough, you know. Yeah, we used to work in kitchens. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, little dark dog. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, His full name is, uh, well, this is going online, so probably won't say it. Yeah. But I always knew him by one of his middle names. Uh, So whenever I kept hearing Dar, I was like, I swear I know that guy. Like, who is that? Oh, it's my cousin Shelby, but yeah. it's his first name. Yeah. So, yeah, everyone, uh, whenever they saw me and they knew I was Dar's cousin, some of them were like, like Kyle? He was like, ah, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Sesums was like, oh, hey, you're nothing like your cousin. I was like, well, I don't know if that's a compliment or not, but thanks. Yeah. Um, let's see. Last question or two for now since we're kind of on time. Uh, is there anything you would suggest to someone in active addiction or to a loved one of uh, someone that's going through addiction? Because I know it, like on my family, it was really hard uh, on everyone because no one really knew what to do. They know I'm hard-headed. I'm stubborn as fuck. So unless I wanted the help, there's no talking me into it. Um, but I know a lot of the pain that people feel is from a loved one being an addiction. So do you got advice for or suggestion or anything for either the addict or the family of? For the family. Don't enable. Enabling is is allowing it. You know what I'm saying? Enabling is like the worst thing you can do. Enabling is like handing someone a loaded gun to commit suicide. You know what I mean? Sometimes mm -hmm. it takes the pain for us to actually reach out and get out. Enabling is like one of the worst things you could actually do. Sometimes tough love is, is actually the best thing you could do. Sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't get me wrong. But trying to reach out for help or whatever, it doesn't matter how many times, at least, you know, try to do something. Try to help understand and show them there's that way, but don't sit there and justify their addiction for them. Because mm -hmm. you ain't doing nothing but killing them a lot slower. Or really faster. Enabling was the worst thing. And for people in active addiction, man, there's actually a way out. Like, I know it, it took me a long time to realize, you know, people actually stopped doing drugs, you know, sooner or later. You know what I'm saying? And you, gotta, it's, you have to want it. Don't just sit there and say, okay, and don't depend on, well, you know, well, I just want to do it for my daughters. Because at the beginning, the spark was for my daughters. But 
my daughters aren't with me 24-7, you know. I'm active in their life. I do a lot of stuff, you know. I'm probably, like, one of the only baby daddies in Oak Cliff that files their kids on their taxes. But, like, do it for yourself because that's a decision you have to make every day by yourself, every morning by yourself, every night by yourself. The just for today shit is actually some powerful shit because if you start trying to fucking build your future over fucking being one day clean, you're going to fuck up. Just try to take it day by day and really find find the source that's going to say, you know, this is actually for me. This is for better for my life. Because if you put it on anybody else, bro, as soon as they're out the door or out of eyesight, you're going to fuck it up. That's good advice. I think a lot of people need to hear that, too. Especially the family don't enable. That's just the worst thing, bro. Yeah. I, I've had to sit there and learn that with someone in addiction, you don't necessarily give up on them, but you don't take their shit either. Nah, bro. Like you said, tough love. Yeah, don't coincide nobody's bullshit. Yes, yes, sir. Yeah. But, uh, well, I'm really glad that we got to do this interview. And once I get more questions and uh, the podcast start going a little bit better, we'll see what we can do next time. Have your, people, have your people call my people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll have my roommate get your roommate. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Nico. Mm -hmm. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night.